0: I believe uh, the last one of the last thoughts we had here in First Corinthians uh, chapter three was we were talking about the foundation. That no one can lay another foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then and then we talked about how Paul said, you know, I, I laid this foundation. I'm like, wait a minute, you didn't lay Christ and Christ was laid you while you were, you know, a Pharisee. So how in the world? So I think that was. The, does that strike a bell? Okay, I, I couldn't remember if that's the last thing we talked about or if there's something else. So we might re- retread some ground. I'm not sure. Uh, but we then proceed to the next structure, which is what? What's the next part of the structure? The structure on the foundation. Okay, the actual building, right? Um. If it's unfinished, it's not done. We, we, and this is, I think, why. I think this is kind of goes into what Christ said. Well, I always wondered about that statement that Jesus said to his disciples, "Is like greater things you are going to do than what I've done." You know, Christ laid a foundation, but he did not finish the building. He's like, that's going to be somebody else's job. You're going to take the message to people I've never even talked to, and I mean, I, I never really talked to Gentiles. I mean, he talked to half-Jewish people. That's about as far as he got. You know, they, they might have been considered Gentiles, but not really.
1: Christ was not set
0: up. Yeah. yeah. There were no Christians while Jesus was on this planet. Uh, people were like, what? <laughs> yeah, no. There was not a single Christian. Yeah. But even if you think of what a Christian is without the name, there were there were no people who were baptized into the the name of Jesus for remission of sins before before Christ left. It's kind of strange to think about, but you know, we always we always assume that the things in your New Testament are all in the New Testament. But no, actually Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are primarily in the Old Testament, which is strange. But um, they pertain to the New Testament, but to its establishment. Um, So here we find our job, which is completing the work. What do you think of when you think of a house? If you own a house, what do you think of? Okay. I think of projects, That's what I think of. And if I don't think of it, my wife reminds me. There's projects to do. All right. Did you do that? I just did this. There's always more projects, aren't there? The temple, the house of God, is a project, and it does not end. There are always chores to do. It's just as simple as it is. There's more to be done. We can't get to a place where we go, Ah. Because about the time you get to that place, something you've done, at least in my house, something I, I started needs to be repaired. Right? We do that. It, you, 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 oh, new Christians coming in, and, and, and it's all exciting, and all of a sudden you find, oh, guess what? Some people who have been here for a long time need some attention. Right? There's, uh, there's something popping up in their life, or there's always work to be done. It's, it's a never-ending job. Uh, so, um, and it doesn't just belong to leadership either way. It, it it belongs to everyone. They might oversee some of it, but but it is a job for everyone, which is kind of what he's talking to. He's not talking to the church leaders here. He's talking to the Corinthians. They all have a part of this, uh, and he's going to go into some of that. Um, now, so he says uh, this is kind of a um, interesting thing. When he says, he goes into this testing, it's going to be tested. He says, it's going to be tested by fire. Now, what comes to your mind when you hear that phrase? Blacksmith? <laughs> A blacksmith, okay. That wasn't the first thing I thought of. But, uh, okay. Yeah, destruction. He says, your work is going to be tested by fire. You you might actually be close just Then I think of. The okay, yeah?
1: Usually testing by fire would imply it's going to be put under extreme circumstances.
0: Okay. All right. I think a lot of times... Yeah? Malachi talks about putting the silver yes. through yeah. and the New Testament alludes yep. to some of and, 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 and it. And kinda goes
1: yeah.
0: to, the to the This is one of the reasons why I've always assumed that Hebrews is written by Paul. I know he doesn't title it and there's people that dispute it. There are so many things in Paul's letters that appear in Hebrews uh, and he goes to like, like even some of this testing by fire. Some of that stuff is back in there um, and um, although that's common because Peter uses it too. but uh, Your faith which is precious but There's
1: that idea that we're all tools and we're on the end Sure. Or, wait, like, God
0: right. Yeah. So um, there's, I think sometimes people shortchange this text in turning it and limiting it to hell, which I think is a part of the, you know, we think of fire, hell, test, destruction. Those things go together. Uh, but I think there's some testing that's going on before here, and and I think the text brings some of that uh, brings some of that out. Um, in what sense would you expect um, to see work destroyed? He's like your work in the, in the church is being destroyed. Why would it be destroyed? He he, did, he compares wood, hay, and Stubble and all the kind of stubble is like if you drive by a farm and you see the stuff sticking up, that after they plowed and that's stubble. Uh, And they you'll see everyone you know you'll see fires in the spring you know and they've gathered it all up and and there it is and you smoke everywhere and that they're getting rid of it and burning it up for the next crop. Yep. To
1: me, when I read this, it kind of reminds me of the three. (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> instead of fire, you know, instead of instead of you know the house, down, yeah. Of fire. But, yeah, you know, you look at the quality of how each of those structures was built, and that okay. kind of reminds me of you know whenever he talks about coal, you know, the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Okay. What are you, what do you be building your faith on? Like, what's
0: are nice and fluffy? Is it all the good? Okay, so, so in this so in your illustration, what is the, the wood hay and stubble stubble and what is the what is the destruction specifically? Okay. Like you said, if it's you know if you built with
1: brick, okay, something more substantial. Okay. And just the stuff that looks good or might you know stand up you know whenever the wind's not blowing or whenever there's no elements or something like that. But you know is, is something going to stand up to some kind of test? Okay. Or, as the, the wood and straw might buckle under certain conditions, but other materials might not.
0: Okay. Now, I think these are all accurate in terms of, of what they represent. I'm not sure that's what he's specifically saying. They're they're all surrounded the topic, okay? And they're they're all fine applications of this. Yeah. Sorry, I mean that's I think that's I think of that as more of like
1: on a personal level. Uh-huh. I think as a I kind of feel like he's talking more on like.
0: Church or congregation level. Okay. He said he laid the foundation. Mm-hmm. Build on that foundation. All right. So, so the this. structure, and and this is the thing: the structure is the church. It's the people. The people are the things that are going to be the wood, hay, straw, precious stones, permanent versus temporary. It, it, it's it's applicable because whether you're temporary or not determines on what you've, like you, like what you're saying, what's attracted to you, right? But in the end result, he's talking about the the permanence of the people are going to be tested. Uh, that's what
1: Katie was saying. The problem with that approach is those people might be attracted to the church, but it's not going to keep them around. Right. They're looking for right. something deeper than that, and they don't have
0: those... That's beliefs. correct. That's correct. And, and, and churches which are are premised on those have a high degree of turnover. Right. And that's that's just the way it is. Um, so um, there's a, a thought a lot of times I think when we look at this that he's talking about false teachings. Yeah. And and I wanna I wanna I, I would contend that while that's also a thing which leads to not permanent people, that's not what he's talking about here. And that's because of one phrase in here. Right? He says, yet you yourself will escape. Well, if I teach false teaching, I'm not escaping. Right? And that's why I don't think this is talking about heaven or hell specifically. It might imply that, or I might infer it. <laughs> that's not his what he's really driving at and and he's certainly not it might be true that my false teaching will lead to not permanent people but there's no way i'm escaping that right. uh, in fact james says i'm going to receive a stricter judgment for that uh... so so i wanna go back and look at this topic and I, I think we, uh, we kind of identified what fire could represent is a thing here and now that's going to be uh, difficult. Remember, later on in this book, Paul is going to write, I wish that not many of you were married, but stayed as, as I am. Why? Because of what? Okay, split. Yeah, okay, split priorities, but he said because of the, what? Because of this current distress. I, I think he's talking about short-term, your permanence is, is the, the issue. They're not mature. He's still t- you're still like babes on the pure milk of the word and things like that. You're, you, that's kind of what he's been addressing. You're not mature yet. And you better get there fast because your permanence is going to be tested, and it's going to be tested soon. So, um, so I think that's that's what he's talking about. Um, and remember, what what's what, what has he been talking about? What what's been the major issue? Divisions. Divisions. And what has what has their division been over? Primarily. Ah, uh, okay. So they've not been dependent on God; they've been dependent on people. And I'm telling you right now, in times of well, what what happens if a person that you've been dependent upon is killed, or or maybe they they kind of show a little immaturity, not that Paul or Peter was going to, but but what if what if. Well, we could take an example, yes. Well,
1: there's, there's lots of examples. Yeah. Like they, even whenever they're talking about like, Jesus back in, you know, the, in the Gospels about the rebellion that rose up and they killed the leader, and then the yeah. rebellion dispersed, or yeah. you know, strike at the shepherd and, and
0: yeah. you know,
1: disperse the flock. You know, it, it's that kind of encounter where yeah. you're, you're dependent on one person and then they go away. Yeah. We kind of talked about this last week about like preachers
0: and things sure. like that, whatever they
1: do. Um, Right.
0: Misleading. Right. And 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 to be fair, even Peter was a source of this. Right. And we it, it read, it, it read that even Barnabas was carried away with his hypocrisy. So so you lean on a person, even an apostle, and you're going to be disappointed at some point in life. It's not recorded, but at some point in time, someone somewhere was disappointed in Paul. <laughs> like I don't know. I didn't think Paul could do that. I don't know what it was, but that happened because he's a person. Um so um you know maybe John Mark, maybe John Mark with that that whole dispute between Paul and Barnabas was really like I thought this of Paul and I didn't know if he could get that hot and you know, I didn't even you know who knows what it was. Uh so
1: maybe God's you were just too high, so yeah, trying
0: to right yeah you can do that you can you can establish standards for yourself that are really high and expect everyone to have their same standards and people that are young Christians can't handle those and <laughs> so uh, maybe that's something that Paul had to learn I don't know there's a lot of things uh, that it could be uh, but but he's trying to get them to be dependent on God not on people um Are there any other applications of, of this wood haste double without talking about false teachings? I can't help but refer to the parable of the sower and that whole idea
1: of those seeds that weren't permanent, they were on the rocks. Okay. On the pathway, birds come on, and you know, just how about when the harvest comes? Where are the seeds really going to grow? And all those ones of the rocks.
0: And okay. The they never went anywhere. So. Yeah, I, usually, I
1: guess, there's, to me, there's two kinds of false teachings there's the really deliberate kind where you're right. trying to get people in and you know, mm-hmm. just to you know, fill seats and things like that. And then there's others where it's more unintentional. Right. Um, and I, I, I wonder if some of this also has to do with, with that as, you know, if you're if you're just kind of putting in putting in a half hearted effort. Yes. You know, you're you're only trying a little bit. You're not trying to, you know, distress people or or uh, to be mature like you were saying before, um, then that's not really going to be effective.
0: Okay. And, and I think that's that's a it's a good point, that you can teach a technical truth, right, and teach it in such a way that you do not develop people. Right. Um, if I if I teach people to try to be a mirror image of me, well if I'm if I believe correctly, then that's wonderful. They they believe everything like I do. Huh, wonderful. But even if, if I was 100% right on everything and I convinced them of it, if I haven't convinced them to think for themselves and to examine the scriptures for themselves, then they don't have their own faith. They have my faith. And it's dangerous because they're eventually going to be put into a position where I'm not there to tell them what to do. And they're going to have to take scriptures and figure it out like, this is a situation I don't see, I wasn't taught it. What do I do? And So, so in those moments, they're going to have to be mature to figure out how the scripture works. So, so when I teach, my job is not to teach you everything you're supposed to do. I try to teach how to use the scriptures. Because that will stick with people. Uh, and that also doesn't teach dependence upon my Opinions on things. I have definite opinions. Right? I'll share those opinions. But I'm more concerned with people knowing how the scripture works together. So, like, this verse and this verse right, are incompatible. So we have to figure out how this verse and this verse go together to make one thing. I'm, I'd rather teach that because then they learn how to do that. Like, oh, yeah. And then uh, on a completely different topic, they understand. All scripture is inspired by God. We have to look at all scripture. Uh, and in and, and doing so, they become dependent on God, really, through his word, not on me. Um, and that's why uh, a couple years ago, we went through how to interpret the Bible. Right? A person who like, doesn't care about you know, a person who's more interested in making people think of the way they do doesn't do that. Because now I'm, like, setting people free to experiment on their own and, and study it for themselves without me. Right? That That's important because, you know, especially in their situation, something comes along, persecution comes along. I mean, it's not imminent, I suppose, here, but in their time it was. All of a sudden you don't have apostles. They're dead. What now? You better not be dependent on apostles. Right? You better be dependent on, on on the word.
1: One other dependency example is <coughs> the seven sons of Siva or, or yeah. Siva, like, you know, Jesus, whom this other person preaches. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know they're responsible. I know them, but never yeah. you.
0: Know, yeah. You, you don't have
1: any faith of your own. You're you're trying to use somebody else.
0: Yeah, you, you can't borrow you can't borrow other people's faith. As a, 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 I've said it before, and I, I like I like the typically people borrow it from their parents, right? As a, one one thing, I, I, someone told me, like, God has children but no grandchildren, right? Yeah, you can't get to heaven on on your parents' faith. It doesn't work. You got to have your own faith. You have to have your own relationship with God. <coughs> There's a misused verse in this text, and I want to <coughs> go through it. Um, how is verse 16 often used? How have you heard it used? Maybe
1: as an excuse not to come to church because God already dwells
0: okay I've, I've never heard that but that's interesting okay can't do this can't do that I've heard this quoted this one is a, such a cringeworthy use of, of this verse for two reasons uh, well how do you think it might be misapplied Can't do this because it's a sin against your body or the temple of the Holy Spirit. How is this misused? What? Tattoos, probably. Okay, so so yes, I've heard it. I've heard it used for all sorts of things. Whatever a particular group is against, all right. How is this verse misquoted then to prove those things? What, what's the, what's the violation of this usage if it is? Maybe maybe you go, no, that's perfectly fine. I've used it before. <laughs> I was raised there's two problems with this. First of all, if you're going to use a verse in First Corinthians, use one that is even close to the topic. That would be chapter six, verse nineteen. Okay? Three sixteen. What what is chapter three about? What's the context about, Martin? You nailed it earlier. Okay, divided. This is about the group. He's, he's not even talking about physical body at all. He's talking about the body of believers. So, so, so this, this doesn't even come into the context. Now, I like this verse because it will set up how it's supposed to be used when he comes back to it to talk about the individual person. This is not talking about an individual person. It's talking about relationships within the church. So let's whatever applications we're going to make from it has to fit within that. It's important to look at context and understand the context before we go ripping out a verse out of context and, and just go, you can't have a tattoo, you can't have a this, you can't have a that. I'm not in favor of tattoos. But I can't use this verse to say so. Um, that's the first problem with it. The second problem, we need to come to the word defile. What does that mean and how? Okay. Remember, the, the topic, while those, that is true, and the defiling of a, a, a false teaching will defile, he's actually not talking about, in this point, he's talking about something that a preacher could do, still go to heaven himself, while all of his work is burned up. So, so, so specifically, he's not referencing false teaching. That's an application. That's also true. So how can I teach correctly and defile the temple? What's de- what does it mean to defile? Okay, all right. It's a type of ruining. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a similar word. It's a it's a type of destruction. Um, so, ignorance, what's that? Ignorance, okay. Okay, that, that you think truth, not. okay. So to defile something means to change its 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 nature. It's it's no longer pure. In a sense, right? Like uh, someone would come in, and these pagans would come in and, and they would sacrifice a pig on the altar. It's, it's, they've defiled the nature. We can't sacrifice here. It's, it's, it's impure. Right? And so they had to cleanse it and, and stuff like that. And that's what Hanukkah is. Right? We talked about that a little bit. To defile, in what he's talking here, there's a specific problem and, and, and what the situation is is going to actually help us when we do talk about the individual person in chapter uh, in chapter six. Um, there's something that makes it unclean or unfit for use that he's been talking about. So focus away from God towards these other things. These, these, he, he's been talking about carnal mindset versus a uh, a spiritual mindset is one of the things that's happened. Division in the church is, again, this greater topic. Division in the church defiles the church because it's been made to be a single structure. Right? it's made to be one temple and now it's no longer fit for use because you've got the different parts of this temple fighting against itself it's not fit it's not structurally sound right um, I, I wouldn't go into a building right, just forget temple I wouldn't go in, into a building if I if, if someone said yes the, the, this building was built by 10 different construction firms who didn't communicate at all on the part that they did not going in there it's not structurally sound it's not fit for me to be there and so, so you've got this temple that, that's all these different factions it's not fit for God because God says I, I, I want to be with all of my people and this doesn't you can't get along with each other this is not a place where you've defiled what I've set up in other words uh, and so a defilement here is I think one of the things that's significant of defilement in this sense. It is when something is both the victim of something, right? In terms of um, suffering at the hands of something else, and it's also the tool, right? In this in this sense, the the, the church was the victim. The temple of God was the victim of of what was being wrong, it was defiled because the church was set against the church. It was it was both the victim and the tool for this destruction. It's defiled its its nature, and that will become important when we when we look at First Corinthians chapter six as well. It's the same, and I think that's why he uses the same terminology uh, in both because there's a similar thing happening one on a larger scale of people, and then one within a person. Uh, so, so all these other things are outside of that topic there's other wrongs that can be done in a church or amongst the church but, but this defiles the church this division is inherently destructive and it uses Christians to do the destruction which is, it, which is odd a lot of things can destroy the church but to use Christians to destroy the church is a, is a, a special tool that Satan uses loves to use that tool right? it defiles it uh, any other thoughts on that before we, we move along to he kind of breaks into this topic um, uh, so <clears throat> we're wrapping up in this chapter and in uh, in in the next chapter this opening kind of summary, so he moves into uh, chapter or chapter three verse eighteen he says, "Let no one deceive himself if anyone among you seems wise and you can kind of just can you feel like there's a shift? Like, like, okay. So now I'm going to start wrapping things up. This opening topic. Uh, let him become a fool so that it can become wise. So so he's now concluding kind of and we see him kind of going back through all these topics. We'll see him run through division and through wisdom and philosophy and all those ideas. So he wants us to renounce these divisive priorities that we've had earthly wisdom doesn't achieve my goals right so you're going to have to become a fool so that you can be wise again you ever heard a phrase that sounds similar to that forget everything you know <laughs> right that's our version of this forget everything you know <laughs> um, we can look back at them and say, oh, they were just giving in to their culture around them and and all sorts of things, and and that was messing up the gospel. How does natural wisdom today come into the church? Does it? How? You it's, 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 can make anything that you think mm-hmm. and try and find the scripture
1: to this is what it is yep. this is what comes yep. and you're trying to
0: prove your personal
1: beliefs okay. any time whether All right. it's political whether it's mm-hmm.
0: the arts whether it's anything Okay So our beliefs outside of Christianity I have beliefs outside of Christianity right? So, I I believe that I was an electrician. I believe that when you put this is just when you put those outlets in, the little round one goes on the bottom. Right? I have I have tons of beliefs. Right? There are people that just are the opposite school and they throw them upside down. They're wrong. But. This, we develop a lifetime of beliefs that have nothing to do with Christianity. Most of them are more impactful than that. Where do we get those from? Experiences. Okay, my experiences developed those. Where else? Parents? Parents? years yes yes schools of thought I went to this school and we put outlets in right side up because of how and where I studied that's it And and all these influences come to us and a lot of them have to do with lifestyles, not just, you know, installment of electrical devices. And so when we do that, we, we can bring those and try to find those in here. And some of those, like you say. Uh, if we're surrounded by people that claim that science is X you kind of want to go along with that group when you're in that group you want to fit in you don't want to be the one that goes no, I don't believe that the rest of us believe that Okay. so now I have to reconcile that in church I can't have two mindsets I can't say just naturally so I come here and I'm like This seems to be more movable than everybody out there. I'm not going to move everybody I know. So maybe I can manipulate this to where I can feel kind of like it's the same. Um, Social Gospels. We have social agendas. That's not new. There's always been social agendas. It's just what society is. And so they were experiencing that there. They were, and, and we go through Corinthians, we can see the influence of social culture around them. Trying to move them and them trying to find a way to make it compatible. Um, misdefinition of compassion. Right? Well, compassion would do this. And, and there's a, a movement that wants compassion to mean that there's no personal responsibility. That's un- kind of unkind. And there's all sorts of things like that. Movements in, in society uh, that want... Uh, there's movements that want to make the Bible about politics. And we can't even talk about anything in the Bible without us trying to talk about the politics. Um, prosperity gospel. We live in a rich society, and sometimes it's hard for people to reconcile. And so it's convenient for, for us to try to find prosperity gospel in the scriptures and all sorts of you can look at churches which are which take these causes which are really not original and and try to make them religious causes and the just the list is endless and guys this is not really what i i had in mind these are this is worldly wisdom that's been dressed up in in my scriptures I kind of take a personal offense to that so um, so we need to forget everything we know and approach the scripture and and, and let it talk about what it wants to talk about I'm not saying that that the Bible won't ever apply to those things and in some cases it it might tell us to do this or that that's connected but that's not what it's about yeah Right, Yeah, yeah, obviously the Bible applies to things, it applies to life, but the difference is it's really just a difference of direction. It, it, it's, it's not coming at we're taking the Bible and going, we're going to interpret everything around us from here, not let everything else interpret the Bible for me. There uh, has to be a connection to society, obviously, and the Bible was designed magnificently to do that in any society in any geographical location at any point in time. It's an inspired by a omnipotent God who can see the future. But I can't try to take everything else and make the Bible conform to it in my opinions. If if my senses and my opinions are never assaulted violently by reading the scriptures then I'm I'm wrong somewhere. That's, that's essentially when you read these verses he's saying everything you know is wrong Corinthians <laughs> those weren't the last group of people to be in that condition we are culture. we are wrapped up in the people around us and it's so hard to remain distinct spiritually So, it talks about hero worship, doesn't make a difference, Paul, Apollos, all this. Life, death, things present, everything you know, you have to get rid of it. You can't have reliance on it. We're we're not going to be around forever, don't build reliance on me. So what hinders me? from abandoning my crutches what stops me from doing it we'll close with this one word the most limiting emotion you'll ever experience is fear fear of the unknown fear of whatever it is fear keeps me attached to my crutches this is what I know Um, I'm invested in this I've developed a lifetime of invested and I don't know what I would do if I had to start over with a fresh idea fear of Contradicting people, fear of what my family would say if, if, and my home church way back there would say if they knew that I was there thinking that we ever interpreted a verse incorrectly or, or whatever. You know, we have all these fears, and they all go into limiting us uh, from abandoning uh, these these crutches and and the fear of admitting I'm wrong personally. I don't like that. I, I, and it's, maybe it's less fear and it's more pride, or maybe they're kind of where one ends and the other one begins. I don't know. Uh, but um, we, we have to abandon um, our crutches, so we'll pick up in Chapter 4 next week.